How's it going, everyone? I'm your host, AJ Teal. Welcome into the first ever episode of the Off the Post podcast, the podcast where we're talking everything sports. We're breaking down fantasy football tips. We're talking all sports news, headlines, rumors, and we're let's get right into it. First off, we're talking about best fantasy quarterbacks. That's our first topic today. And I figured we have about we have two months before the season starts. If everything goes as planned, I know they just they just uh, canceled the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and the Steelers. That's a that was a bummer. But it, you know it's preseason. No one really cares about the preseason games. But it's not the the sign the correct direction we were hoping and going for. But I figured we have two months before the season starts. About a month and a half before. You know, drafts start in maybe early mid August, and I figured we'd go through and list off the best fantasy players at each position, taking into account two things. We're talking about their ADP, which if you don't know is their average draft position, and just overall how good they are. You know, we're taking into consideration their points from last year. Uh, what what did they surround themselves with this year that wasn't with them last year, are they taking a step up? Did they, did they add a wide receiver through the draft? Did they sign a wide receiver? Did they bulk their tight ends up? You know, did did the quarterback get more weapons throughout the the off season? And we're just gonna start off. I got five names right here, right off the top, and we're starting with number one. Number one's an obvious. We're going with Lamar Jackson. He's the number. He's the he's the best QB last year. He had four over four hundred and twenty fantasy points for a quarterback I mean that's that's gonna be number one if you if, if your quarterback has over 400 points for the year you're 99 percent of the chance you have the best quarterback you drafted the best quarterback he had 28 points per game that's that most people that won their fantasy leagues it's no surprise that over 40 percent of them had Lamar Jackson on them However, the people that chose Lamar Jackson did not get them, did not get him at his ADP, which is 19 this year. 19. That's 19 in most leagues. If you have a 10-person league, that's the end of round two. You're taking a quarterback at the end of round two. That's, I'm not, that's the only hesitant part of taking Lamar Jackson. He's going to be gone before round four. At the least. He's not going to be there in round four. He will be gone in the first three rounds. He's got he's got the, the run-pass attack. That's what everyone loves about him. He's going to have 100 rushing yards. He's going to have over 200 passing yards. That's 10 points on the run game. That's 8 points on the pass game. You're already at 18 points. He hasn't thrown a touchdown. He hasn't ran for a touchdown. I mean, the guy is the perfect package, but... When you look at his ADP, just just for reference, some of the guys that were taken around 19 were in the range of 17 to 20. Joe Mixon, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And those are guys, Juju had a down year, Mixon had a down year, Travis Kelsey obviously a top two tight end in the league. But those are guys that are, that's wide receiver tight end and running back 
that you're taking in in the first three rounds. Taking a quarterback in the first three rounds is very unconventional when it comes to playing fantasy football the last 10 years. I mean, everyone, if you play fantasy football, you're you're saying, well, I'll get Aaron, not obviously, probably not the last couple of years, but in his real prime, you're saying, oh, I'll get I'll get Aaron Rodgers in in the in the eighth round, you know, and he'll be my quarterback. If you're one of those people, that's fine. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, twenty eight points a game last year. That's that's almost thirty points per game. That's that's nuts. Because number two on the list, which I'll get to right now, Dak Prescott, I have his number two. And notice I'm, we're talking about fancy QBs. I see a lot of um, a lot of comments. I watch a lot of other videos, a lot of ESPN videos on YouTube, a lot of YouTube sports shows, a lot of sports podcasts. And you'll see a lot of comments there that go, Dak Prescott, number two, as the best quarterback in the league. Well, we're not talking about best quarter quarterbacks. There's a difference between fantasy quarterbacks and the real quarterback. Dak Prescott is not a top two quarterback in the league. He's not even top five. But when it comes to fantasy, he's got an ADP of 61. Now, Lamar Jackson was 19. This is 61. That's about five. That's about five rounds different. Now, you're dropping out. That's five players that you're picking that aren't Lamar Jackson. You're picking two wide receivers, two running backs, and a tight end, and then you get Dak Prescott. Whereas, maybe you're taking, maybe you get, you know, Alvin Kamara, then you're taking Lamar Jackson, and you've just taken your quarterback with a second pick. Maybe you've missed out on a wide receiver. Maybe you've missed out on a Julio Jones. Maybe you've missed out on Odell Beckham. And you just, if you're in a PPR league, that's big. If you're missing out, you got to have those three maybe two wide receivers depending on your lineup in your in your league. But the ADP is so different on Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's 50 spots, a little under 50 spots. And it's a big difference. Dak Prescott uh, had 21.8 points per game. That's seven different than Lamar Jackson. But when you think, that's a big difference. I mean, how many games... Have you been down seven points going into Monday night? Or and you just you have you know you have your your kicker or you have you have James White you know at your flex and you know James White could have thirty points or you know he could have two handoffs and two catches and he gets four and then you're like well if I had Lamar Jackson you know seven points that's a huge difference or maybe you're playing. Lamar Jackson and, da- and you have Dak Prescott, you're, you guys are tied. You know, L- Lamar Jackson, whoever, the team that has Lamar Jackson is going to win that 99% of the time just because of his his ability to get points with the run and points with the pass. Now, Lamar Jackson's wide receivers are what is holding him back with quotations because it's not really holding him back. He had 21, eight points a game. Had the same wide receivers. He has Marquise Brown in his second year. He's got Willie Sneed again. But he's got the two tight ends. 
and he has his ability to run. So you're getting you're getting ten, uh, a point per ten rushes per ten rushing yards versus a point per twenty five passing yards. It's just something to think about when you're drafting. Are you willing to go all in on Lamar Jackson? But when you come to Doc Prescott at number two, he had twenty one points per game. His ADP was sixty one. He's got a new coach. You got Mike McCarthy in there. Get rid of Jason Garrett. That re- I think really held the Cowboys back in general. Just did not wasn't created enough with the playbook, and he wasn't calling plays. It was Kellen Moore, but you know he obviously had some influence on that. Dak Prescott. They draft Ceedee Lamb for him. He, they had the number one. This tells you something. They had the number one offense in the league last year. Finished eight and eight. That's that's the most. That's the craziest thing to me. Now their defense wasn't. It wasn't the worst in the league. It was pretty bad. Wasn't the worst in the league. And you have the number one offense. Dak Prescott throws for, you know, forty-seven hundred yards, forty-eight hundred yards. And the team doesn't make the playoffs. You know, I'm a I'm a Cowboy fan. It was it was a hard year to watch, but you got Dak Prescott. This is fantasy. We're talking fantasy. He's got three great wide receivers, two that have proven themselves. Ceedee Lamb, we all think will be great. We hope will be great. He's got Gallup and Cooper. Obviously, if Cooper can stay healthy, you have Gallup that really progressed last year. He took advantage of of Cooper being hurt a lot of the year and just not being 100. percent and he's got a new plan. of They have a new coach, a new system. And I think Dak Prescott could really, really be the number one fantasy QB this year. If he they play more like a Raven style, which Dak Prescott, obviously not as fast, but the dude is strong. The dude has a really good ability to scramble. He's definitely going to average more rushing yards per game this year. That's additional bonus points for your QB rather than taking a QB like Matthew Stafford later in the round or later in the draft, excuse me. Taking a QB like Tom Brady, obviously later in the round, later in the draft. But you're getting these bonus points for rushing yards and he's got a stellar wide receiver group. So at, at 61 of his average draft position, that looks like a steal for me. And we go to number three. I've got Kyler Murray as number three. And his ADP is actually higher than Dak Prescott. It's at 55. That's six spots above Dak Prescott. And I find that a little a little crazy to believe, but I, I understand because he plays more like Lamar Jackson. They run. Kevin Stefanski runs that that you know that 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 option option offense. He runs to get him out of the pocket. And they added D-Hop. That's that's a big reason for Kyler Murray would not go in the first his, his, his ADP would be more in the 80s, more in the 70s probably, high 70s, low 80s. 
if they didn't add D-Hop. Because now he's got a number one wide receiver. He's got a top three wide receiver in the league. D-Hop's going to have a great year fantasy-wise. And this boosts Kyler Murray. He averaged 18 points per game last year. That's not and run one rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year. Second year in his system. I mean, I, I see if, if he can play a full 16 games, get some chemistry with D-Hop, he's going to have a great year. He's going to have a successful year. He's 55 is a little, it's a little high. I would def, I would go Dak Prescott before, even if you have, I mean, you're waiting with the average draft position. You're, what that's saying is you're waiting around, probably around or a couple picks later in a round to take Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray. I'm still taking Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray. Number four, I have Patrick Mahomes, obviously, reigning Super Bowl champion, reigning MVP. And the offense is the same. He didn't lose anyone. You have 11 guys on the field that he's been playing with, just won a Super Bowl with. He has a new running back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think that'll make defenses, you know, not have to... I feel like last year with the Chiefs, they still won the... I, I can't really say that, you know, this was a... This didn't help them, but they didn't have a running game. I mean, Damian Williams was okay. I mean, he filled the gap. LaShawn McCoy wasn't, wasn't even, you know, a factor. He got hurt. He's old. Whatever. But Patrick Mahomes averaged 20 points per game, won the Super Bowl, of course, and the offense is now the same. So there's no reason that he won't finish a top five QB in fantasy. Now, his, his ADP is 23. That I have a little trouble with because I can't, I can't see Patrick Mahomes finishing above Dak Prescott, finishing above Kyler Murray in points for fantasy. I just don't see it. And you're telling me his ADP is four spots above Lamar, which there's no there's no even debate whether you're taking Lamar or, or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Lamar is going to, if they both play 16 games, they're both going to be great next year. Lamar's scoring more, he's scoring more points. More fancy points. So I'm I'm really hesitant to take Patrick Mahomes in a an early third round, which they have him slated at in a in a ten person league. Excuse me, an early Yeah, an early an early third round. I'm I'm really hesitant on taking maybe if he falls if if there's a league where he's fallen and you've got your you know, you've got your your running back. You've got maybe two wide receivers, two or, or a wide receiver, or your two running backs. Maybe I'm taking Mahomes if Lamar's gone. But I'm really when I see Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray, both with ADPs in the 60s and the high 50s, the mid 50s. That speaks out to me more than Patrick Mahomes at 23. But number. Number five, maybe a, a one one that not many people would 
would put at number five, but I've got I've got Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions. His ADP is one ten. One ten in a ten person league is about round round twelve on round thirteen in a normal league. I mean the dude the dude's last year he had he averaged 22 points per game but doesn't really mean anything he only played half a season he he was hurt but the whole thing with Matthew Stafford is maybe maybe you get him as a backup you take him you know with with your last couple picks maybe with you know in round 13 you've already got your starting lineup take a back take a risk on Matthew Stafford or maybe you're not high in QBs maybe Maybe you're going for stacked running backs. You have two elite wide receivers. You have, you know, an elite tight end like Travis Kelsey or Austin Hooper or Mark Andrews, and maybe you're loaded there and you want to take a risk on Matthew Stafford, whose ADP is 110. If he stays healthy, he could 100% finish top three in fancy points. The Lions have the most underrated wide receiver group in the NFL. They've got Galladay, who proved last year, with Jeff Driscoll and David Blau as his quarterback, that he is an elite wide receiver. If you you know, can have an 1,000-yard re- season and lead the league in touchdowns, with Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, what, what more does he have to prove? And now you're adding Matthew Stafford if he can stay healthy for 16 games, not only is Kenny Galladay going to be a, t- a top, I'll say, seven wide receiver fantasy, but Matthew Stafford has Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola. That's a that's a solid. That is a top. That's a top six wide receiver core. It's the most underrated by far. Because I feel like a lot of people give shit to the to Detroit because they've just sucked for so many years, and a lot of that has been not finding the right coach. You know, Stafford can't stay healthy, can't win a playoff game. But that's beside the point. We're talking about Matthew Stafford as a fantasy quarterback. You drafted Swift, the running back from Georgia, DeAndre Swift. That's a that's a new weapon. I mean, he hasn't. He he now gets a you know and I like DeAndre Swift is he's not as good in the passing game as an Austin Eckler would be or a Kamara, but in Georgia he was very good out of the backfield as a wide receiver. He definitely is more like Kamara than an Eckler, but the only problem I have with, with Matthew Stafford is besides being staying healthy, is that offensive line sucks. I mean You've got Ragnow in center, but besides besides Frank Ragnow, you know the average fan, or maybe the above average fan, you you can't name anyone on that offensive line, unless I I look uh, you look up Lions offensive line, you might know some of the people, but off the top of your head, you don't know who that offensive line is, and it's not good. It's really not been good over the last couple of years. I mean, why do you think Stafford's always hurt? He's getting 
you know, it's getting hit back there. And I don't think they've addressed the tackle enough. You got Ragno, he's a solid center, but, you know, teams, a lot of teams, especially in the NFC, have great pass rush DNs. And if you don't have an elite tackle, especially a left tackle, I mean, your quarterback is getting pressured on half the snaps. And that's my only problem with Stafford is with a with a bummy offensive line, he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of interceptions, a lot of forced throws, a lot of tip throws, a lot of throws that he got hit on and but if you want to take a risk on a quarterback that has the ability to finish top three, I would take it. But I have one more that's kind of a an asterisk in there because I, I wanted to include him because this is kind of a I, top. I wouldn't. I I can't put him at top five. That would just be ridiculous. But I have a little asterisk next to this one name, and I've got Jared Goff. Now he's not number six, just an asterisk. I don't know quite where I would uh where I would rank him amongst quarterbacks right now, but I've got Jared Goff on here. He has an ADP of one twenty five. Now that's that's two rounds past Stafford. So you're even going further into your draft. 16 points last year. He had a really down year. And I'm I'm a I'm high on, on Jared Goff. I really like how Jared Goff plays. I think the Rams, much like the Cowboys, had a really disappointing season finishing eight and eight. And a lot of it was they had a lot of injuries. Cooper Cup got injured. Brandon Cooks, who's no longer on the team, but Brandon Cooks was hurt, always has a concussion. Cooper Cup got hurt. All he had was Robert Woods, who Robert Woods is good, but Robert Woods as the number one wide receiver on a team with no one else, he just doesn't have, he's not, he's, he, I would consider him an above average wide receiver. He's not an elite wide receiver. He's not up there with the Julios. You know, he's not up there with with even an Amari Cooper. I don't think he's at that level. But you have 16 points last year, which I thought I, I was I was looking at that number and I was like, really? Because he, he didn't have Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was hurt a lot. Don't know we don't know if that dude will ever play in the NFL. I hope he does. I mean, he, his first couple seasons in the NFL, he was like no one I've ever seen. I mean, he was a beast. I would play him in fantasy every week, and I would be up like 20, 30 points, and I'd say, this guy's Todd Gurley I'm playing. I, I never draft, I never, I don't think I ever had Todd Gurley on a fantasy team. I just never did. And that's when I started playing, I've been playing fantasy for about, maybe five years, six years. And in the last two years, I've really started to get, you know, research, watching podcasts, watching other people's YouTube videos. But in my early years, when, you know, Todd Gurley was a beast, earlier years, you know, but this year he just wasn't, he just wasn't a factor. You know, maybe he had one game, but he wasn't a factor. He was hurt most of the year. 
He's got a new offensive coordinator in Kevin O'Connell. But he's also got two wide receivers in Woods, in Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup should be, you know, ready to go this year. There are two very good wide receivers. Cooper Cup, I wouldn't put in in the elite category, but he's right there with Woods. I think he's a little bit above Woods. He's very good. But Jared Goff is another one like Matthew Stafford. I think he's 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 below Matthew Stafford, but if you're not into taking quarterbacks early, if you don't want and I don't advise taking a quarterback early. I don't think you need to waste well, I wouldn't call it wasting, but I don't think you need to use your second round, your third round pick on Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. I just don't think it's it's necessary because you can make up those points. You can make up those points with with wide receivers and tight ends. I just don't think it's that necessary. I'm a I'm a big get that wider get that wide receiver core. That's that's what I'm big on in fantasy. Get those I play in a, I play in leagues with two wide receivers. I get I play in leagues with three wide receivers. In the two wide receivers, there's a flex. I like playing a wide receiver at the flex. That's still what three wide receivers, but get those three wide receivers. Get that one stellar running back, and there's a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot besides the the six or or the the top four I mentioned: Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, those guys I feel like on a fantasy level are in a you know, are, are up are up in a, a tier of their own. But after that, when you get into guys like Russell Wilson and and Josh Allen, I mean, the, 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 the drop-off is immense. But then when you get into those kinds of quarterbacks, the point differential is is just not worth, you know, deciding over who you will take now you can have a fan favor you can have someone that you think is going to do better because they have a better you know offense surrounding them or a better coaching staff but I'm not that big on taking quarterbacks early like I said my favorite this year is Dak Prescott 61 on his ADP that's a great spot to take a quarterback especially a quarterback that has the number one offense surrounded him all right, moving on now. We're going to jump into some real football. And we're talking rookie of the year candidates. We're talking offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. I think this was a this was a really good draft class. This was a solid draft. Unconventional draft because of COVID, but a real solid draft. I mean, you've got you got Joe Burrow who I mean, Joe Burrow I loved watching Joe Burrow in college. Joe Burrow was awesome in college. He, he reminded me a lot of Tony Romo. I know a lot of people have said that, that he plays like he plays like a plays like Tony Romo and Tony Romo obviously a cowboy fan. I love Tony Romo, you know. Always a always a Cowboys legend in in the Cowboys fans eyes, you know. But for rookie of the year candidates, I've I got two lists of my top three candidates for offense and defense. And we're going to start with offense. 
offense number one, Joe Burrow is the obvious choice. You can't. There's no other. The quarterback always has it has it the easiest in the offensive rookie of the years. Kyler Murray won it last year, and the the Cardinals last year were awful. I mean, I know they had the the eighth or the ninth pick, you know, but they were bad. They were a bad. They were not good. They were a bad team, and all you know, the rookie of the year doesn't care if your team was good. Most of the time, unless you know you're you're Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, you know. Well, Patrick Mahomes obviously had that year that obviously he didn't win because he sat behind Alex Smith for that year. But unless you're Lamar Jackson, I'll, I'll, Lamar Jackson, you know. Had a crazy rookie year, but unless you're Lamar Jackson, if your team sucks, it doesn't matter. It's all about the stats you put up. Kyler Murray was awful last year. He won. I didn't really think there was AJ Brown and Josh Jacobs were up with him. I didn't, I never thought any of them had a chance. Jo, but Joe Burrow comes into a Bengals team that obviously was bad. They had the number one pick last year. But they basically wanted, were determined to get that number one pick no matter what. I mean, their team isn't, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. A.J. Green never played. Was hurt the whole year. Tyler Boyd, I thought, really was really underrated last year. He, he really had a good year. A good 1,000-yard receiving year. Now Joe Burrow comes into that offense. He's got A.J. Green, who they franchise tagged. was a big part of Joe Burrow. You know, it takes a lot, I think, for a rookie QB to... Obviously, they can't pick who they get drafted to, but there's stuff behind the door, but behind the scenes that Joe Burrow was like, well, you know, I'd really love if A.J. Green was there, so I'm not throwing to, you know, nobodies out there. But you got A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, that's a solid duo at wide receiver there. You've got, hopefully he has Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, there are rumors that he might hold out. But, you know, this season is wonky as it is. So we just got to wait and see. You've got Joe Mixon there. So he's got the weapons. He's got uh, he's got a good, a good running back and two very good, uh, one elite wide receiver when he's healthy, A.J. Green. And one very good, very good wide receiver in Tyler Boyd. So I think I think Joe Burrow if he stays healthy, play if, if Joe Burrow he doesn't have to make the playoffs. He has to win he has to win 5 games. Play 16 games, throw for 3500 yards and 20 touchdowns. 20 25 touchdowns, he wins the rookie of the year. He wins rookie of the year because the other quarterbacks, I don't have another quarterback on my list. Two is not on my list. Herbert's not on my list. I mean, those are the other. Those are the only two. Love is not going to play this year. There's no other quarterback besides those three that have a chance of playing. And I don't. It's so unclear whether is Tua is Tua really healthy? Is he healthy enough to play? And do they do the Dolphins play him because they still have Fitzpatrick? And I'm not saying Fitzpatrick's better. He wasn't bad last year. You know, that was that was a really bad team the first couple weeks, and he still won him a couple games, four or five games. 
they might sit Tua for a year, get him 100% healthy. Obviously, he can't win the the award then because he won't play. The other one, Herbert, I don't I don't think he plays either. I think I think the Chargers have since day 1 we're going to always pick him. I do believe they were always going to pick him. But never going to start him. They 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 why why would they say they always said Tyrod Taylor? From the minute Philip the minute the season over cuz the season was over Philip Rivers was leaving. You know, I don't think Philip Rivers wanted to come back and I don't think the Chargers wanted him to come back either. I think I think that that ship was sailed and they were they said, "Hey, we got we have Tyrod Taylor." Tyrod Taylor hasn't played, you know, as a starting QB in a couple of years. Ever since the the Browns with, you know, the whole Baker Mayfield story and but he was terrible in the Browns. You know, maybe Herbert sits a year too, but even if Herbert starts, I don't see Herbert being better than Joe Burrow. I don't see Herbert, you know, putting up better stats than him. So I think Joe Burrow is the number one obvious choice. Number two, I have Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy uh, taken fifteenth overall by the by the Denver Broncos. He slides right in as the number two wide receiver. Right next to Sutton. Sutton, another one. Right right with Tyler Boyd, I feel like Sutton had a really good breakout year. Another 1,000-yard receiver. Breakout year. A very good wide receiver. And you also have Drew Locke, second-year uh, quarterback. Now, if you ask a Broncos fan, Drew Locke's the best quarterback, you know. The best quarterback in the league, but, you know, no Broncos fans here. Drew Locke's very good. He had a very good year, end of the year, for the six, how many games did he play? Six, eight games? I'll give him that he had a good year, but he he has he has the team now. He has Noah Font, who also very good tight end, had a breakout year, his rookie year. Drew Locke showed signs of being very good. He also had some signs that, okay, he's a rookie quarterback. But this is his second year. Jerry Judy slots in right next to Sutton. Now Sutton had that breakout year. Now what teams have to do now, defenses, you know, they're gonna Sutton's gonna get a lot of attention on the left or the right side, whatever side, you know, he's lining up on, he's gonna be double teamed. And what brings opportunity, this is why I have Judy at two. Judy's that second wide receiver. Judy had a very, very low drop rate at Alabama with Tua. So he's, you know, he's going to be that second wide receiver in a lot of single coverage, and he's going to get a lot of red zone targets. He's going to be that red zone guy that has one on one on the outside. He also can play the slot. He has one on, but. In the red zone, I would like to think that Denver uses him on the outside. A lot of one-on-one. And I think he gets a lot of red zone touchdowns. And he could have... You know, he could have the touchdown... The rookie touchdown wide receiver. And I, I think he, he has a, a decent shot. Now, number three, I have his his former teammate. 
Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, the other wide the speedster that the Raiders took a little before Judy. They actually took him before. I, I, I thought that was interesting because I thought Judy was the was the complete wide receiver. Now, Ruggs, obviously, compared to Tyreek Hill with his speed, Ruggs could, he could battle for the number one, he could be the number one wide receiver on the depth chart for the Raiders. I mean, he has Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a, Derek Carr is an average quarterback. I see a lot of, of talk shows you know, you, you watch a lot of Colin Coward, and Colin Coward loves Derek Carr a little, a little too much. Loves Derek Carr. It's a little, it's a little sus over there. But he, he loves Derek Carr. I'm, I'm not big on Derek Carr. Derek Carr, what has Derek Carr showed that, you know, makes you watch him and you're like, dang, this guy, you know, this guy's, he's not. He's not spe- he's a he's a he's a decent quarterback. You know? And I feel like Henry Ruggs has the ability to make Derek Carr better, but also Derek Carr has the ability to make Ruggs a real offensive rookie of the year candidate. Ruggs Ruggs was 35% he, 35% of the time, he burnt his defenders on streak patterns or horizontal throws. Throws that, that led the wide receiver over 20 yards. 35%, he, he had a certain, I forget the distance, but a certain distance that the defender was behind him on those throws. 35% of the time. He'd never dropped a pass in college. Didn't have one drop. And Derek Carr, 50% of his throws last year were horizontal throws plus 20 yards. You're going to have a lot of deep 50-yard touchdowns from Henry Ruggs. This guy can definitely have a 40, a 40 catches, a 40 receptions for a 1,000-yard season. I could see it happen. He's not going to be the red zone guy. He's not going to have... I think Judy has more touchdowns than him, but Ruggs is going to have the yards, and the yards, you know, could ha- could be a big factor in who who wins that award. So you got Burrow at one, Judy at two, Ruggs at three. Uh, some, you know, I I don't have the QBs in there. I really just I don't think that they play. I don't think Herbert plays. I don't think Tua plays this year. But we'll have to wait and see. But now we're moving on to defense. On the defense side, another obvious one. Chase Young is at one. I mean, this dude's a beast. 6'5", 260. I mean, 6'5", 260. He had 16 sacks and six forced fumbles at Ohio State last year. He had a 20% pressure rate. A 20, that's a, at one out of every five snaps. He put pressure on the quarterback. The best rate, just to give you some reference, the best rate in the NFL was Miles Garrett at 18. Now, will his college stats are the are the college left and right tackles as good as the NFL ones? Probably not. But he was playing, 
in a good division in college, had a 5.5% sack rate, which was 2% over the leader in the NFL. And now he goes to the Redskins, and the Redskins, you know, their team, their offense, it's a lot of work to do, but their defense, especially their defensive line, it's very good. Their defensive line is very good. It's a very good defensive line, and now you add Chase Young. He's going to be in a tough division, though. He's going to be in in the in the NFC East, who has some good offensive lines. The Giants have improved their offensive line a lot. Cowboys and Eagles, we know, have two of the best in the NFL. So he's going to have, if he puts up, obviously, his pressure rate and his sack rate it would just be impossible to translate those exact numbers to the NFL. But if he can have his pressure rate at somewhere, if he can have it at over 14, 15%, and his sack rate at three, two and a half, I think I think he has a great year. I think he has double-digit sacks. I think he has a lot of tackles. And I think he I think he easily wins this award. But we have at number two, I've got Jeff Okuda of the of the Detroit Lions. And I think I think this is a perfect match. I think you trade away Darius Slay, and you have you take Jeff Okuda, you sign Desmond Trufant, who probably is going to be your number one corner. But you have Jeff Okuda, who's going to be put in a Matt Patricia defense, which is a heavy man defense. He runs. I mean, the, he put he had Darius Slay, and Darius Slay just he would you know he play man, he would follow he he traveled to the the wide receiver when they played Green Bay he would you know he followed Devonte Adams everywhere. When they played the Vikings, he followed you know Stephon Diggs everywhere. But Jeff Okuda played heavy man in Ohio State. He's a great man cornerback man defense cornerback he's not gonna the problem is he's not gonna have a lot of takeaways in in this defense the Lions didn't have a lot of takeaways a lot of interceptions they, they didn't have a lot of interceptions he's not gonna have the the stats were are gonna be a problem on Jeff Okuda he's not gonna have a lot of takeaways he's not gonna have a lot of tackles but if if you look more in depth to his stats he might have he's he's gonna have the deflections And the opponent reception rate are going to be lower. You know, he's going to play. He's a good, he has speed, he has the size. He's going to bat balls out of there. He's going to stay. He's not going to get burnt a lot. This dude's going to keep with every wide receiver in the NFL, especially in that division. And he has a he has a very solid chance to compete with his, with his Ohio State teammate, Chase Young, for that defensive rookie of the year. But number three... I've got Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina, taken by the 49ers. 49ers traded DeForest Buckner for that first-round pick right to the Colts. And Kinlaw comes in, and he's got a starting job as a, you know, a number one or a number two defensive tackle. You know, he that's a starter. No matter what, if he's the first or the second, he's, he's a starting D-tackle on that team. And Kinlaw, he's a bull rusher. He 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 locks right into the the offensive guard, the center, 
and he will drive you. The dude is big. I mean, I think he's this. I think he's six six three fifteen. I mean, that dude, he can push. He can bully some offensive offensive guard. There's there's some poor offensive guards in this league, and and he's gonna bully some. And this is a big dude, but I think this is a perfect. He's in a perfect system. He gets to play with Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator. And he gets the correct coaching because this guy, it's going to be a, a developmental thing. He has the he has the size, he has the run stopping ability, and now you add coaching to him. He's going to become a better pass rusher, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have the stats. He's gonna have the tackles. He's gonna have the sacks. He's gonna have the tackles for loss. He's gonna he will lead. Javon Kinlaw will lead. All rookie defensive linemen and tackles for loss. He reminds me a lot of Chris Jones. A lot of Chris Jones on the Chiefs. The defensive tackle on the Chiefs. Because Chris Jones can play defensive tackle, nose tackle. Kinlaw plays defensive tackle, nose tackle. Played a lot of nose tackle at uh, at South Carolina. And Chris Jones, the reason this dude is getting paid a lot of money He's he's a dual threat. The dude has had double digit sacks the last couple seasons. And now you have Javon Kinlaw coming in. He's coming into the 49ers already with a stacked defensive line. He fills DeForest Buckner. They're not going to be able to double him. The the defensive line is just too good. There's too many good players on the defensive line. He's going to have one-on-one matchups with the center, the offensive guard. I think he has a real good chance at winning this award. But there were some other guys on the defensive side, you know. You had you had Patrick Queen, the middle linebacker, the middle linebacker on the on the Baltimore Ravens. But th- these are guys that you know, a linebacker. The linebacker, he might have a lot of tackles. But he's not a blitzing linebacker. He didn't force a lot of interceptions in college. But I think those three guys, Okuda, Chase Young, and Javon Kinlaw, they have the best odds that I think Chase Young wins it easily. But I think the other two, you know, if they can come, they're in the right system. Chase Young, not too sure if he flourishes with obviously he's gonna he's gonna be good. He has the size. He has he had the coaching at Ohio State. But he he's a beast. And it's 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 hard to bet against him. But we're gonna segue now to our last topic of the episode. We're gonna we're gonna segue into some NBA. I know the NBA is coming back in it's a little it's a little over a month. About a month and four days right now. Month and five days. June 30th, we're supposed to be back watching NBA basketball. And I wanted to break down the championship contenders. I have a list of five teams. My top five NBA championship contenders that I think can win the championship this year in Orlando. They're having, a, they're having the playoffs in Orlando. It's going to be awesome. We need. We all need sports back. 
and we're gonna have baseball coming back a little before hockey and and the NBA are supposed to come back at the exact same time and we'll get right into it number one I got me I got Milwaukee I see Milwaukee as the best team in the league they have the best player in the league with the honest 26 point 29 points shooting 54% from the field, 30% from three, and 14 rebounds. If Giannis can average 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 30% from three. For Giannis, 30% from three. He's not known as a three-point shooter. But if he can shoot 30% from three, average 30 points and 14 rebounds, how are you going to stop this team? This team... The, the reason I, I have two reasons why they're number one and why they're above, maybe you're saying the Clippers should be, maybe you're saying the Lakers should be number one. They have 11 to 12 players that could all be starters on another team. George Hill, Chris Middleton, Kyle Korver, all shooting up over 40%. George Hill shooting almost 50% this year. Chris Middleton, the, the all-star shooting a little above 40, and Kyle Korver, one of the best three-point shooters of all time, shooting in his, in his mid-40%. mid forty Milwaukee has the deepest team. They have the best player. The, the, one, the one thing is, is their top five in turnovers in the league. But that, you know, regular season, NBA, or regular season NBA, playoffs NBA, they'll get that fixed up. This is this is the playoffs. They're gonna have no fans, not a lot of distraction. I think they'll turn the turnovers down. I think I think they I think they win the NBA championship. I really do. I think they play they play the I think they play the the Clippers in the championship. Clippers are number two. The LA Clippers, I got they got Kawhi and Kawhi and Paul George. Kawhi with 27 points, Paul George with 21, averaging on the year. They're both shooting in the mid-40s, both shooting about 40% from three. Paul George a little better in the three-point. Both averaging seven rebounds a game. I think they're the second-best team behind Milwaukee. The only thing is you'll see a, a, a similarity between teams two through four. They don't have a bench. They got Lou Will off the bench. And it's not a lot. It's not good from there. It's not good from there. So I think I think Milwaukee, if these two teams would meet in the championship, I think Milwaukee takes them in. Milwaukee would take them in six. I really believe that. And, you know, Kawhi, we saw last year, he, he, he didn't have a great... Toronto wasn't the best team last year, but he carried that team. So I don't, I don't think you can, you can count him out. But number three, I got the I got the Lakers at three, and it's a lot lower. I think, I think most lists, if you list them off, a lot of people have them at one or two, but I've got them at three. Obviously, LeBron and AD. They're both averaging about 26, 27 points a game, 50% shooting, and 35 from three. AD's getting nine rebounds a game. LeBron's getting eight. LeBron's getting ten assists. AD's getting three. If LeBron and AD put up 65, 70 points a game 
in the playoffs, I think they easily make the finals. Now, do I th- I think they will run into the Clippers in the Western Conference final, and I think their bench is worse than the Clippers. Their third best scorer is Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma is having a bad year. You know, he's still he's still averaging 12 points, but Kyle Kuzma's not having a great they were this guy was getting traded. You know? Avery Bradley, their fourth leading scorer, not playing. It's a big it's a big factor. You know, he was he was one of their best defensive players and obviously one of their best if, if if Avery Bradley's your fourth biggest scorer, you got some, you know, that's not very good. Now, I think if they play the Clippers, it can honestly go either way. I would take the Clippers in seven. But you know, I, ne- there, you got to with the with the Clippers and the Lakers. You got LeBron, you got Kawhi. It's hard to doubt these players that they won't carry their team to a to a finals. And I think it'll be a very good matchup if those two end up playing in the Western Conference. But I got a number four, another Eastern Conference team, the Boston Celtics. Now, what really caught my eye about the Boston Celtics and watching them is they have a they have five players in Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and Marcus Smart. Those are five Five starters, obviously. But you've got Tatum and Kemba that are all-stars. Jalen Brown, which is just below an all-star. Hayward was once an all-star. And Marcus Smart is a great role player on the defensive and the offensive side of the ball. All five of those guys are shooting 40% from the field and 35% from three. Now, again, with the with the Celtics, it's a big drop-off at the bench. I mean, they're going to have to... Obviously, those are... You've got two, you have three guards, maybe four if you count Tatum as a guard or a small forward, but Hayward is a small a small forward, maybe Tatum's a small forward. You've got five guards slash small forwards in those five people. Now, you, can't, you, you can only start three of them, maybe four if you put Hayward at the power forward, but this, this, this Celtics team has Cantor, and is Cantor at their center. They got... Daniel Tice, who plays power forward, maybe backup center. They they have no bench. I mean, this is going to be really hard when Tatum and Kemba need a break at the at the end of the third quarter, and you're putting you know Wanamaker in there. And most of you people are saying who who exactly? That's that's the point. So I think I think Boston's at four. They have five great players, but I don't know if they can get I just don't think they can get there. I think they can get to an Eastern Conference final versus Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is just too deep for the entire NBA, let alone the Celtics. I think they would take them in five. I think Milwaukee would take Boston in five. At number five, I've got the Houston Rockets. Now, James Harden is a great NBA player. He's a top five NBA player in today's game. But he has not showed up in the playoffs in his career. And it it has shown 
Westbrook has is this his first year on the team, but it has shown that James Harden can only carry his team so far because the Rockets have the worst bench out of all these teams. And I just, the Celtics bench is really bad, but this bench, they have, I mean, you, you go Harden and Westbrook, you've got, you've got PJ Tucker, but there is just, they're going to have to put up 80 points a game. They would have, James Harden is averaging 35 points on 43% shooting and 35 from three. He would have to score, he would have to average 40 points a game on 40% shooting from three if they want a legit chance on, you know, beating a Clipper or a Lakers team in the finals. I just don't, I I don't see it happening. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Harden and Westbrook, Harden and Westbrook surprised me this year. They played much better together than I than I would ever imagine. I I thought this was going to be a a real bust of a duo, two ball centric guys. But you know, they both averaged seven assists. They learned how to pass the ball, seven rebounds, and Westbrook shot forty seven percent from the field, averaging twenty seven points. But they don't have a bench. They the the team rankings they attempt and make the most threes. That's it's kind of a. I think that's good. You know, I you think that's good. They they take a lot. Of, you know, they they make a lot of threes. But they take a lot of threes, and most of that is Harden. But they have the least assists in the NBA. So even though Harden and Westbrook they're both averaging seven assists, you know they're learning how to pass. They still have the least assists in the NBA. I mean, Harden, Harden plays so much one I think he plays more one-on-one ball than, than Westbrook. I think Westbrook has been a good, a, he, he's been good with passing the ball when he was on Oklahoma City. But Harden has just, he plays a lot of one-on-one so I just don't know. I just don't know if the Rockets. I don't know if they have the full team. I I I don't think they have the full team. Now, could the Rockets make it to the NBA to the NBA Finals? Sure. I think they would get swept by the Bucks. I don't think that they even come close to the Bucs. I think they come closer to the Lakers. I think it would be awesome if they play the Lakers. That would be a great series too. But if they played the Bucks in the... I don't think... I think they get swept. Maybe they get a game. I think the Bucks have a... I think they, they easily get to the finals. I think the, the East is weak besides Boston and maybe, maybe Philly. But Philly's another team. Don't even get me started on Philly's bench. I mean, their their bench is so bad that this is they're not on the list. There's no way Philly or Houston or Boston beat the beat the Bucks. There's just no way. 
I think the Bucks are going to make it to the NBA Finals. They're going to play the Clippers, and they beat the Clippers in six games. Giannis gets a ring and goes, I'm not going to the Warriors. I'm staying in Milwaukee. Like all the all the BS rumors out there that Giannis is going to the Warriors, but this will give him a, a reason to stay. But yeah, that's my top five championship contenders for the NBA playoffs coming up in just uh, about a month. We're still we're still a couple weeks away from any sports, you know. The MLS is starting up. I think in a couple weeks, not sure. Not going to watch it, but you know, it's something. Baseball starting up soon. They just agreed to a deal the other day. The NBA, the NHL are testing their guys. They're getting ready. Sports are back. Sports are coming back. And I'm excited. I think we're all excited. So if you made it this far in the episode, thank you for tuning in. Episode 1 of the Off the Post podcast. Make sure if you're listening to this on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Let me know what you thought of the podcast. In future episodes, we're talking a lot more of fantasy football leading up to the season. We're going to get you guys all ready for your drafts, whether it be a snake draft, rather it be an auction draft. We're going to get you. We're going to give you all the tips on how to on how to win your fantasy leagues. I I played in a lot of fantasy leagues last year, but three three were for money. Two for were for money. Lost in the championship in both. Year before that, made it to the championship of both, won one, won, lost one. But you know, for for those two seasons, I'm making it to the championship of both. I'm doing something right. So thank thank you for watching the off the post podcast, and we'll see you next time.